I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited to have you on the show and on my couch, Angel. I'm so happy, so, so happy. You have no idea. So it wouldn't be the right thing to do if we didn't start with the question around, tell me about yourself and then tell me about your childhood and how you were brought up. I'm Angel Cornelius. I'm the founder of Maison 276. We're building the leading beauty brand for middle-aged women who want to embrace the naturally occurring changes that are taking place in their life with clean and innovative products, while also celebrating that they're in the prime of their lives. So I am the oldest. Oh, let me just say something. Oh, okay. (laughs) You look amazing and your hair is gorgeous. Thank you. (laughs) Humidity is trying to win today, but that's okay. (laughs) So I was born and raised in New Orleans. I am the oldest of three children, and I pretty much check off all the boxes on the whole firstborn characteristic thing. And uh, how was I brought up? Wow. Not a large family in terms of the number of children that my parents have, but a very large extended family. You know, I have cousins that are like brothers and sisters, um, a very close family, always spent holidays together. I think all the way until I was in elementary school. Yeah, until I went to really high school, I could walk to many of my relatives' homes, like in New Orleans people are very parochial about the part of town that they grew up in. And so, you know, I just remember, you know, walking to my grandparents' house. I was really young, like in first, second, third grade, our parents would all drop us off at our grandparents' houses in the morning. And our parents would go to school. And then me and all my cousins, we would walk to school together. That's like uh, days gone by. I don't think anybody does that any day, any more, but that's kind of how I grew up. You know, New Orleans is a very unique culture, very much centered around celebrations, right? Food, family, just living life to its fullest. And I don't live in New Orleans anymore, but I travel home a lot. I was just home actually three weeks ago, but it's very much a part of who I am. And yeah, there's pretty much no part of my life that's not touched by that culture. So tell me a little bit, you live in Texas now, correct? Right now I am in Sugarland, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. It's about 25 miles from downtown. Yes. And what's the difference between Texas and New Orleans? Well, first I'll tell you the similarities, very strong cultures, very, very strong cultures. Residents from both regions are extremely proud of where they're from. I don't think there's any place in the world like it. And actually they're both right. (laughs) So uh, very, very strong cultures. I would say Texas in some ways is a bit more conservative perhaps, 
uh, even though both states are in the South, but both very family focused. I think it's easier to find the similarities than the differences. Than the differences, yeah. Right. I mean, very um, different cultures per se, but very similar. They're both very strong. Yeah. Very, very strong cultures and very proud. Both of our children uh, obviously were born Texans and both of them went to college outside of the state. And both of them put huge Texas flags in their dorm room for all four years. Like when you walked in their room, the first thing you were going to know is that they were from Texas. So that's how that's how Texans feel about being from Texas. They take that's- it very seriously. <laughs> I am sure I have one of my best friends is from Texas. And when she comes out talking about Texas, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> very proud, very proud yes. of your Texas roots. That's for yes, sure. They are. Yes. So tell me, Angel, what's your brand about? Tell me a little bit about your personal brand. Full disclosure. This is not my first time on the therapist couch. <laughs> I feel like, you know, me deeply now. I never really thought about a personal brand the way you really made me think about it. Like the categories and the archetypes, you called me a magician, which I didn't know what that was. And then when you described it, I was like, oh yeah, that's me. I'm not afraid to do different things. I'm not afraid to do things that I've never seen before. And I think a lot of that was based on my parents, you know, my mother and father allowing me to be different. And it was okay. (laughs) I don't consider myself a revolutionary, even though that's part of the definition of what it means to be a magician. But I can see how what I may do or what I do will seem revolutionary to some people. Right. Uh, When I'm just being my, that's just who I am. And if it feels revolutionary to you, that's fine too. I'm not afraid to do hard things Uh, again. And I I'll do something and it doesn't matter that, that I haven't seen anyone do it. or I haven't seen anyone in my circle do it. Right. Right. Um, I think that's, it's more that like, just because no one's close to you has ever done it. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. And some of them are small things and some of them are big things. And some of them might just be small to me and big to someone else. You know what I mean? But I think, am I answering your question? I ask you that all the time when you ask me questions, (laughs) like, did I answer your question? (laughs) You did, you did. And so one of the things that, you know, we were talking before the podcast was also about some of the things, you know, you started this whole business and you've gotten so far in your business. But I want to know, were the triggers that at some point were holding you back? Well, first of all, full transparency, as you know, I never intended to even start a business. I was solving my personal pain points. And because it was personal to me in terms of how I take care of my hair, how I take care of my skin specifically, there was nothing holding me back. The industry hadn't done it in all these years. And so by the time I was in my fifties and it was just like, well, I'm tired of buying things that don't work. I'm just going to see what I can make on my own. And so because it was for me and it was personal, there were no barriers. 
right? Because I'm just doing this for myself. And then it got to a point where it did become a business. And the first question is, well, can I do this? Because I don't even come from this industry. Like my experience with the beauty industry was purely as a dissatisfied consumer. And that was the limit of my experience. And so it was that initial concern that I don't even know how to make this thing happen. Like I literally don't know who to call. I I just don't know. And I just had to figure it out. Yamoka, I just had to figure it out. As opportunities came, I was forced to learn on the run because I'm not afraid to do hard things. And if you ask me to do this thing, well, you must think I can deliver. So I just need to figure out how to make this happen. And that's really what I've been doing over the last several years. And yes, it's been very, very difficult, but each step of the way, I've just had to figure it out, not be afraid to make mistakes, learn from the mistakes, not be afraid to ask for help. You know, at the beginning, you're like, and most entrepreneurs are like this, and I knew you can relate, you know, you're a one woman, everything, Whatever has to happen in this company, it is you're going to be the person that does it. But that's not sustainable because otherwise you have a hobby. You don't have a business. Right. So figuring out what to keep and what to give away, what to keep and what to delegate. That's a journey in and of itself. And figuring out, okay, what is my superpower? That's the thing I have to hang on to. What is the thing that I can delegate and manage? And also... What do I need to get better at? I'm not a master of this now, but I have to be in order to get to the next level. And so there's been a lot of that in the last four years and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. So let me ask you something. You've been very successful. You've been on the Today Show. You've been on Vogue. You've been on a lot of different things. And and that to me is super success. But when did you know that you had become famous? (laughs) I don't know. You know, fame is relative, right? You know, everyone has their own idea of what that means. I will say the first time I realized I could be recognized outside of my social circle, it was about seven o'clock in the morning. I was traveling a lot at the time, obviously pre-COVID. And I was just in the airport getting coffee. It was really early. And this woman came up to me and she said, I know you don't know me, but I'm one of your customers. I love your product so much. And I just saw you and I just had to come and say thank you so much for making such great products. It almost took my breath away because, you know, I hadn't been on the Today Show or I hadn't been on QVC yet. So my exposure was nothing like what it has been over the past two years. And so that's what took me, you know, surprised me so much. And then the other people in line were like, who are you? (laughs) Like, is this somebody we should know? (laughs) That let me know. I don't think that I thought I was famous, but I realized I had become a public figure, at least in a small way at that, at that time. And that, that was only going to continue to grow. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, you know, we never get to where we are without people that help us through this journey. 
So tell me a little bit about your mentors. Who has been there for you? Who has helped you through this journey? And who has kind of given their hand to you to take you? You talked about you had to learn things. You had to figure things out. How did that happen for you? There's so many, you know, because there's so many different areas, the parts of the business that I had to learn. I would say I was a healthcare professional prior to starting this company and, you know, have managed budgets and done that sort of thing for decades. So that wasn't anything new to me, but the finance of being an entrepreneur and building and scaling a business that is completely different. And so my first incubator program was at Columbia Business School. The professors there were really mentors because they helped me look at my business in a completely different way in terms of just the financial part of what it means to build a business. And it's just completely different than running a department or a division of a corporation. Like it's just completely different. And also my CFO has an MBA and comes from finance. And so he, along with my professors, just gave me a new language. I didn't have to be proficient in that language, but as an entrepreneur and as a founder, I do have to understand it. Those are my first mentors Then there's so many along the way. Kimberly Bunton is a mentor, which is how I met you, right? She connected us. She has helped me become comfortable with being a public figure. I am not a shy person. I am very comfortable with public speaking. So that's not really an issue for me, but being the face of the brand That is something that I, frankly, I'm still growing into. And Kimberly has really, really mentored me in that way because I thought I could build a company without being in the front. Like as long as I'm giving customers what they want, as long as I'm empowering other women to embrace their own version of beauty, as long as I'm creating products that make them feel beautiful and address their needs at this time in their life, then that's more than enough. I don't need to be out front. And so Kimberly really helped me embrace and get comfortable with doing that. And and it's something that I'm still learning to do. And people will see me and they think that I am very comfortable doing it. I am from a point of public speaking, but in terms of like putting Angel out there and having it be about her, that's the part that Kimberly has helped me with so much because that was never my intention. My intention was never to make it about me. And, you know, oftentimes people will say, oh, well, you just have imposter syndrome. And no, I don't. You know, and I think a lot of times entrepreneurs are misdiagnosed with imposter syndrome. And really, they're just continuing to develop into their entrepreneur shoes, more more or less, because where my company is now is completely different than where it was two or three years ago. And it requires so much more of me than it did then. And so still growing into that while your company is growing at the same time. You've been a mentor in terms of helping me connect the dots between 
my natural gifts and talents, right? And formalizing that to help scale the business. Like, I feel like I have two buckets of natural gifts and talents. And one is that the creative side, right? And that's the side that helps me create innovative products and formulations and creates the vision and the mission for the company. But the other part is the connectivity part, right? Connecting to the community. Like I do that naturally on an organic basis, like just talking to women, whether it's on a webinar or in person, but formalizing that the writing, the blogging, the live event streaming, that's the part that you are helping me get comfortable with because it's all a part of growing the brand. Exactly. And all those pieces are connected, but it can also relate to the part where you talk about doing things for others. And that's what you focus on. I remember my first business, which was in fashion. All I wanted to do was help these fashion designers, the people who wanted to be in the fashion industry. I never thought of myself as the face of the brand. And it's so interesting now that I think back on it because I just saw somebody the other day and, you know, I was talking about how I used to be in that industry, but they didn't recognize me. I see the faults that I had in it as well. But when I said the name, they were like, oh, yes, I know that brand, (laughs) right? And that's a disconnect. If you created the brand, you need to put yourself out there. You need to be the face of the brand. It needs to really connect with you. And those are difficult things to learn when you're an entrepreneur for the first time and you're trying to build a brand. That was a real insight in the past, but it was like reminded yesterday when I had this conversation with this other individual. So those are kind of some connection points and really important points. So I want to know, though, what was the breakthrough in your business when you achieved something you thought was impossible? I'm sure there are many. Right, 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 right. Honestly, I'll have to say being one of the winners of QBC's The Big Find, just literally six months before winning that, I wouldn't have been able to see how I would have even gotten there. Like some things in the future in my head, I can like, okay, yes, if I do step A, B, then yes, C is the next progression of that. And that all makes sense. But the QVC thing, I just would not have seen how that would have happened because we had tried something similar to that about with another similar platform probably about three years prior to that, but I wasn't ready on any level, (laughs) on any level. Things don't happen sometimes for us because we're just not ready for that. Right. I wasn't ready on any level. And so when that came back around again, I just thought, you know, I'm always going to go for it. The answer is always no until they tell you. (laughs) But when we started through the process, I just thought, okay, well, you know, we'll try again. We'll throw up against the wall, see what happens. And not really realizing how much growth I had experienced, not giving myself credit for all those little accomplishments that we had made along the way that now all of a sudden made us someone they wanted to take a look at. Like, yeah, come on in. We want to see what you're about. 
And so it was definitely that, you know, I tell people, they always ask, well, what was the experience like? I said, it's very much like Shark Tank, except everyone is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's true. On Shark Tank, you only see it for like seven minutes, but they actually have been talking to these people for an hour, whereas we literally had seven minutes, but we prepared. That's the one thing people don't realize that even when it's your business, you're still constantly practicing your pitch like you've never said it before. You always, 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 it's just something you have to, you just have to practice. It's no different than an athlete, right? The best athletes, they don't stop practicing. They don't stop working out. And as an entrepreneur, that's how you have to be with your story. It was surreal. It happened so fast. We won on the spot and it was just, I felt like, I don't even know how I got from the second floor to the first floor and just somebody had a mic in front of me. Like I felt like I just drifted down on a cloud because it was just all moving so fast. And my son and I walked out of the building and we looked at each other and we were like, what just happened? Exactly. We still didn't go on TV for another six months. Like we couldn't even talk about it. So you could because the preparation, <laughs> it was like, yeah, we couldn't really talk about the fact that we were going to be on air for like maybe three weeks leading up to it. So for over five months, we were still prepping and rehearsing and just doing everything for that on-air launch. So that's the other thing. People see stuff and they think, oh, this just happened. No, there was six months between... <laughs> me walking in that room, giving a pitch. And when I showed up on air, it was life changing and continues to be. I love your comment around Mm -hmm. pitching. Like I had somebody asked me for a quick video today and I could not sleep because I was going through my head around exactly the words that I wanted to say. And then today I wrote them when I woke up this morning, I read them like five times before I actually went on camera and said it. So we are always challenged with these things continuously. Even if you know your brand very, very well, you have to keep adjusting and moving, changing. We learn something new because our customers teach us things, right? And so we learn something, we adjust, we move, we change. The audience changes. So, the audience you know, changes. Yes, yeah. there's so many parts, moving parts to all this. Yes, yes. I, I want to know, tell me one or two challenges that were significant to you in your business. Definitely COVID in terms of the supply chain issues, taking so much longer to get product than Product not still not coming when you think it's going to come. Product that you think you're going to be able to deliver for people to give as Christmas gifts. Turns out, oops, that's not coming until the middle of January. The thing about as an entrepreneur, particularly when you have a CPG company, consumer packaged goods, right? And it's as you grow, more and more things are out of your control, And so how do you deal with that in the way that we have dealt with it? And my recommendation to anyone is just be completely transparent with your customers. Even the painful emails, right? 
you have to be transparent and let people know what's going on. And the fact that it was a global situation doesn't make it any easier for you to relay that information to your customer. You still have to deliver the bad news, sometimes more than once in our case. And so when you are transparent with your customers, they may not be happy, but they will appreciate the transparency. And I was so afraid we were going to be inundated with refund requests. And we got one. Wow. And I still sent her her order. Oh, wow. I still sent it when it came in because we were transparent. We just, this is what it is. And we offered refunds. and, And when it did come in, we gave coupons, huge coupons for their next purchase and continuing to communicate with them, right? So not this one email and then they don't hear from you for another six weeks, you know, a follow-up. Either we're on track to get product or we're not, but just being transparent and that really paid off and people really appreciate it. That was the struggle. And just even as a startup entrepreneur, you know, sometimes You know, it's always a capital issue, right? Always capital, always, are you going to have enough inventory? And just, again, just communicating. That has really kept our community intact and allowed us to even continue to grow, even with those kinds of constraints. And I think it's just the fact that we're willing to be upfront and honest with our customers. And the other thing is, What I found is when you are transparent with your customers, particularly in beauty, people appreciate that because so much of beauty is fabricated and it's not real life. When you as a founder, you know, are not afraid to post a picture of yourself with no makeup on or post a picture of yourself not being perfectly 100% manicured, then other women were like, yeah, that's exactly how I look. (laughs) You know, in the morning when I've just had coffee and my hair is in a ponytail, or in fact, this is how I look when I work out. Like this is how real people look when they work out. They're sweating and, you know, their hair is in a ponytail and they don't have on lipstick, right? Right. (laughs) And so what I have found is my willingness to be myself, like all versions of myself has really helped me connect with our community. Because more often than not, we call them the Maison 276 community, not customers, at least for this industry and for our demographic that really, really helps us build connection. So when you have those struggles, they give you much more grace because they see what you are really about, what you're trying to build, and you're not afraid to be honest, even when it might be some difficult news. Exactly. So tell me one lesson learned about, I know there's many lessons, but (laughs) tell me the one that sticks out the most for you. Well, it's a lesson I keep learning or keep living. Well, two. The second one is don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Because no matter how successful your company is, you are not going to be an expert at everything that is required for your company to continue to grow and scale. And you really need to be honest with yourself 
And then allow others like your mentors and your coaches to give you honest feedback on the things that they believe are your strengths, where you need to get better, and then the things you should really delegate and allow someone who has a higher level of expertise to own. But the number one lesson that I keep living, and it's not because I'm not learning it, it's just, I feel like the journey of the entrepreneur, and that is to whom much is given, much is required. I love that. With each win, there becomes a higher level of responsibility. Yes. And you have to be prepared for that. So yes, you want the wins, but you have to know there is responsibility that comes with that. And you have to be prepared for all of it. For me, that's reaching back. And sometimes, you know, it may feel small to me, the thing that I'm giving to someone else, but to that other person, it could be huge. Exactly. Um, And I know what it feels like to be someone starting something and to have people wonder, do you know what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Does this work? (laughs) And so I am so grateful to all of those people who listened to me, took a chance on me, bought my product, the entire community and the entire ecosystem that's responsible for me being able to even connect with you and now have you be a part of that coach mentor circle. And so, you know, I told you the other day, you know, you're like, have you done podcasts? I was like, yeah, I've probably done over 20 because I almost never say no, because that person who's starting their podcast, who knows in five years, they could be one of the, I mean, who knows? I want to be a part of nurturing that person's seed and allow them to be whatever it is they envision for themselves. That's you know, beautiful. That is my number one thing that I continue to embrace, to whom much is given, much is required. I love that. So tell me what's next for Angel? <laughs> like maybe in like five years, what's, what's oh, okay. Yeah. So given your CPG background, you know, a lot of times you can't share wins. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. So, <laughs> so I'm super excited about things that are on the horizon for the second half of 2022, I'll say that. But within the next three to five years, I see Maison 276. One is a global brand. And I see Maison 276 and uh, me being mentioned as one of the brands that pioneered the new generation of beauty. And that is a generation that includes people of all age groups, all ethnicities, and all cultures. Because beauty, frankly, still is very narrowly defined. And I am working passionately to change that. And so that is what, not just five years from now, but that is what I want as a legacy for Maison 276 to be one of those brands that transformed beauty so that now, five plus years from now, every woman, regardless of the brand, regardless of the retailer that she is engaging with, she will see herself reflected in a way that is beautiful 
in a way that is vibrant, in a way that says, you know, you are beautiful just the way you are. Oh, I love that. (laughs) That, amen. Like, this is what we strive for. And you said it so perfectly. And as entrepreneurs, there's something beyond what we can perceive about what we're doing. And a lot of times we can't just stop, even if it's a bad, you had a bad day. It's like, we can't stop and we need to continue this journey. And I love how you looked at your vision and you saw that legacy that you can leave for other people, because that's, I think the main message is that if you're not doing this for other people, then you're not in the right business because a business isn't a business if you don't have customers. Right. <laughs> it's just not a business. And I think it's so funny how people at the beginning of your career, that makes sense. You built something for yourself and you weren't looking, but then you had a bigger vision and you're like, I want to help other people. I want other people to experience this. I want other people to see themselves as beautiful in their own image, in their own way. And many a times that turns into a transaction, right? This energy you giving, you get back. And that's what builds this passion in you to keep going, to keep moving forward. I know we've talked many a times and I know your struggles. I know what you're going through in, in certain pieces, how you get told no and you get back up and you do it again and you get told no and you do it again. Entrepreneur's life. <laughs> Exactly. And you still have like beautiful smile, this passion, this energy to keep going, to keep moving forward. And it's just great. I'm just grateful to have you in my life. And I so thank you for being on the podcast today. And we have all your information. So tell us, where can we get the product? Where can we go and find more about you? Where do we find this stuff? Well, you can go to Maison276.com. And as a point of just fun fact, so the brand name is actually inspired by my New Orleans roots. Maison is French for home and 276 is the street address of the house where I grew up. So people always ask that. And that's spelled M-A-I-S-O-N-276.com. We're also on Instagram, also on Facebook. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Angel Cornelius, as well as my personal Instagram page, Angel U Cornelius, because my maiden name is Upshaw. You have to pick the names right. I decided (laughs) to keep my maiden name because my first name doesn't match. (laughs) uh, So it doesn't work. So I I get that. Thank you so much, Angel, for being on the show and being so transparent and honest. And I so... Love your brand and what you're doing for the world and can't wait to see what's coming up in the future for you. Thank you. You know, you'll be one of the first to know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And we'll thank you for listening to the brand therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>